Hi, this is James with Episode 8 of Sunshine on Issues, reports from the State House in Tallahassee. Opioids have declared war on Florida and babies are the collateral damage. A bill heard in committee this week would establish new facilities to treat babies born addicted to opioids and suffering other complications due to drug abuse. Also this week, Representative Scott Plakin loaded his union-busting bill onto a bandwagon and it rolled through its only committee stop and will be ready for a floor vote in January. It was the last week of pre-session committee meetings and before lawmakers left town for the holidays, a special interest group rebranded itself and promised to become a more familiar face at the Capitol complex. And the House Democrats picked their leader for the fall campaign and the 2019 session. We have a couple of minutes with Representative Keon McGee of Miami. It's Sunshine on Issues, of course, from the State House in Tallahassee. This podcast was assembled December 7th. Representative Scott Plakin knows how to frustrate people with simple statements. He said it is wrong for a labor organization, a union, to say it represents all workers when less than 50% of the workers pay dues. He said he thinks that shows a lack of support, or that the union is unresponsive, or that it fails a logic test if, like in a lot of state government bargaining unions, if only around 10% are due-paying active members to say that group is representative of the whole. Here's the problem that his opponents can't get over, though. Firefighters, police, and correction officers are all exempted from the requirement. Democrats in the FEA, the teachers' union, said the exemption shows Plakin's motives are political. The silence to more liberal unions that have opposed much of the education reforms approved by the legislature the past two decades. When Plakin presented the bill before the Government Accountability Committee, the committee's eight Democrats tag-teamed the Longwood Republican with their questioning. Broward's Kristen Jacobs captured the spirit of the opponents. And it's the premise of this bill that I find so, um, so frustrating that we're here again to have the conversation that equates the ability to pay money to be whether or not you support something. We have people now, senior citizens, who if this constitutional amendment changes to give them a third homestead exemption, and we know it, we all voted for it, they're not going to pay any taxes at all, no property taxes. So if you don't pay property taxes, does that mean, is that equated to say, I don't want my trash picked up. I don't want anyone to show up when I get sick and I call 911. I don't want clean parks. I don't want streets and highways and libraries and all the other things that my property taxes pay for. Of course not. The idea that you have to pay for representation or that if the representation, oh, let's just say maybe 120 people in that Florida House representing the whole freaking state, pardon me, that that somehow doesn't mean democracy, that somehow is not representation. This is a false premise. Whether the number is a 50% threshold, a 60% threshold, you're being held out a shiny object, something to focus your attention to transparency that somehow if we could prove that everybody had the money to pay the dues, that then they would, that would be equivalent of their interest and their support of a union. 
There are people working for our state members. There are people who are graduate, student, graduate assistant students, PhDs, that are working for next to nothing. The ability for them to pay is not something that they can do. In fact, our democracy is set up that way. Those who have lots and lots of money are wealthy, pay more taxes than those who do not. That doesn't mean that their voices aren't important. They still get to go and vote. The idea that somehow some unions are not going to be counted in this dilemma, this 50%, that they are somehow more important because of workplace harmony than others is also a false premise. It is also against our democracy. All state employees are important, whatever type of union they are in or choose not to be in. The idea that we would single out certain unions and exempt them from this while, while, while creating an environment for others to serve is, is to me, wrong-headed wrong and unfair. Clay can remain unfazed during the persistent questioning of his logic and assumptions. Here's his close. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, one thing to point out with the issue of certification and decertification, uh, just to be clear, the way the process works is if you don't meet the 50% threshold, that simply triggers a recertification vote, which is, has nothing to do with the funds. So theoretically, a union could keep getting 50% year after year of, of voters, if you will, and actually never be at 50% paying dues, and they could go on in perpetuity that way. So just to, to clear up what the bill actually does, uh, Representative Bruzo, I know you talk quite a bit about we don't have studies and data, but I would challenge the members of this committee, go talk to the labor unions, like I, like I said. Now, thank you to Representative Smith today. We now have identified at least one union, and I, I stepped out for a minute. I think the general, general from AFP identified a couple, and it doesn't take a whole lot of research to find this out. Just go ask some of the union members uh, that are up here today, and they'll tell you what they have a sense of what they're, how close they are to their percentage of the bargaining unit. Um, also, to one point, uh, Representative Bruzzo, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, they can elect their leaders, but what I don't see great value if, a, again, a union is 3% of the bargaining unit, the people electing those leaders are essentially bounding, binding the rest of the 97%. So certainly, yes, they can have a vote for their leaders, but they're binding people that may or may not have an interest in being represented as part of that, uh, part of that bargaining unit. Uh, you know, Really, again, I'll go back to the beginning of this bill and the idea for it. I just don't think that it's right for a small percent, a few percent of leaders of a union to claim to represent 97%. One thing that was missing today is some don't feel comfortable with the 50% threshold. What I didn't hear is what threshold would be appropriate. I think by some of the opponents, the implication is 3% is okay. Is 1%? Is one person? Is 10%? I didn't hear a number that would be acceptable, so my only assumption would be the number is one person could claim to represent 10,000. And again, I, I don't think that that is right. A lot of this law was done in the 1970s to give it a fresh look, I think is a good idea. And again, we're just simply amending this statute of law. Uh, there's already regulating it. So to summarize, uh, members, if you believe that unions should not be subject to greater transparency and democratic principles like this, then it, it sounds like I'm going to have some no votes today. But also, if you believe, like I do, that public sector unions should have to operate in a transparent fashion by this report, simply adding the other one, and under time-honored democratic principles, 
where majority rule, so to speak, where the union is, yes, getting a nudge to be more responsive to its members, which has helped some members unions around the state, then you should vote yes on this bill. So again, I would ask for your favorable support and make sure that all of our workers have their voice heard, Thank you. Uh, whether that they're part of that bargaining Thank unit. It's Sunshine on Issues reports from the state capitol. I'm James Call, capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat. Best headline for a news release this week goes to Senator Kathleen Pasadomo's staff. Florida babies are collateral damage in the opioid crisis. The Naples Republican wants to establish neonatal intensive care units specifically to treat newborns addicted to drugs. The war metaphor caught my eye. This week, drug treatment experts in Tallahassee participated in a town hall meeting with law enforcement and civic leaders to discuss opioid addiction in Tallahassee and North Florida. The picture they painted is bleak. The Tallahassee Democrats, Netta Hassanin, was at the meeting. Hi, Netta. Hi, James. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, I popped into that meeting for a half hour, but what I heard made me think that Senator Pasadelmo was right. If it's not a war that we're facing, it is an awfully big challenge before us. Mm -hmm. What was your impression? Yeah, I think you're onto something there, definitely. Um, it is a crisis. It is an epidemic. Uh, and that was um, the... Uh, repeated sentiment um, at the opioid forum uh, discussion earlier this week. Um, you know, it started out really heavy with um, local leaders and, you know, citizens just sharing um, the painful experiences that they've had um, because of loved ones who have been battling addictions or loved ones who, um, you know, they're, you know, have developed addictions just from a simple prescription that was um, prescribed by a well-meaning physician, you know, to um, alleviate someone's pain. Um, there was a county commissioner there, Pam Fiegel, who talked about her son who died at 43 years of age um, due to addiction. And, uh, you know, several other people followed, sharing their stories. And, um, you know, it was a really... Uh, it was an emotional discussion, but it was also one that people were able to really kind of share what they felt um, could have been done better um, in their loved one's stories. The one counselor was speaking about the challenge that is in treatment, that, that, that people's brains have been short-circuited by the drug abuse, and somehow there is the need to rewire someone's brain and and mm -hmm. and how do you do that yeah and uh you know what a lot of people might not know is that addiction is is a complex disease you know um the number of people who are being affected by this is increasing you know the sheriff mentioned that uh, while tallahassee ha you know tallahassee itself hasn't been hit as hard as like areas like South Florida. Um, if you look at the most recent medical examiner's report that was released, um, you know, kind of discussing the, uh, the, the, the deaths um, that um, occurred because of opioid-related um, factors, uh, you'll see that Tallahassee's has been increasing, though it is lower than other cities. You know, um, in 2015, we had about 50 deaths. 
2016, we had about 80 deaths. So that's still 30 more lives that have been impacted. Yes, and we can put that into context in that this village only has 55 beds mm -hmm. to treat. Mm -hmm. More people are dying from addiction than this village is able to treat. And the Appalachian Mental Health Center was there, and they said that they don't have enough beds for treatment. And we are, as a community, we're using the Leon County Jail to begin treatment, but you have to be arrested first. Yeah, and you know, the sheriff himself um, said that this is not something that you can arrest your way into solving. Um, you know, it's a well-known kind of, um, I guess, fact now that jails and prisons house are, are the biggest, um, you know, housing units, I guess you could say, for mentally ill people, and, and that includes people who are battling addictions, too. Um, and so it's kind of like this big national question now. How do we really solve um, the crisis of, of addiction, of overprescribing, and, you know, under the same umbrella of, of mentally ill people? Um, you know, it's, it's a huge, complex problem. Nena, we're going to have to have you come back. We're out of time. All right. Hey, how long have you been with us at the Democrat? Uh, about 10 months now. About 10 months now? Yeah. Well, welcome to Tallahassee. Thank you. I'm loving it so much. There's a new special interest group in town, Stand Up for North Florida, first appeared in 2017 to oppose Senate President Joe Negron's Southern Reservoir for Lake Okeechobee's runoff problems. It, Stand Up for North Florida, wants more money for North Florida. Stand Up reorganized this week and beefed up its agenda. Former Congressman Steve Sutherland is the face of the group. Not much is known about who funds Stand Up. That has aroused suspicions among environmentalists in the left about whether it is an astroturf group rather than a grassroots one. In any event, here's Sutherland standing in front of the House chambers saying going forward, North Florida is going to be more vocal and louder when lawmakers are deciding how to spend money across the state. We first came together because of our shared concerns about protecting our precious water resources. And we will continue to advocate for our share of conservation funds. But this is more than about water. Too often, North Florida gets overlooked, simply because our population is smaller than that of Central or South Florida. Overlooked when it comes, perhaps, to transportation issues, natural resource and conservation issues, when it comes to taxes, regulations, for example, in 2016, the Everglades in South Florida received 380% more Amendment 1 funding than statewide Springs Protection did. But North Florida is home to the vast majority of Florida's springs, which provide nearly all of the recharge to the Floridian aquifer. That's not fair to North Florida. We believe it is imperative for North Florida to be a part of a broader conversation in Florida about how we are governed and where our tax dollars go. We plan to be very active in educating lawmakers and citizens alike. From Pensacola to the Nature Coast, we plan to work together with all of our stakeholders and our communities to ensure that North Florida is not forgotten. 
and that taxpayers in North Florida get a solid return on what we invest in our state. Stand Up faces a fundamental problem. Most Floridians live on the peninsula and not along the north coast. And that means South and Central Florida has the votes to name leaders for both the House and Senate. Here's what's going to happen in 2019. In the House, both the Speaker and Minority Party will be led by representatives from Miami-Dade. Keon McGee, Wednesday, was named the incoming House leader for the Democrats. He was asked the significance for Miami of having both him and Speaker-designate Jose Olivia being in leadership positions at the same time. Uh, huge um, across the state because it's, it's we, being in the same, loca uh, in the same location gives us an opportunity to spend more time together. And um, we'll be able to uh, review uh, issues and, and, and come away with some solutions that can uh, pretty much benefit for overall. In his remarks before the Democratic caucus, McGee said he intends to be a voice in leading Florida forward. We asked him, what does that mean? It would look like, in a sense, where you know, folk who have paid their uh, debts to society, um, they should have an opportunity to participate in our system, where they pay their taxes, where they have um, employment, where their quality of life um, is increased uh, better than what it is now, uh, where they don't have to live in the shadows. Uh, secondly, it, it looks like one where, you know, health care um, should be a right um, and not a privilege uh, based upon political uh, parties and political beliefs. But it's one that is that we know uh, to be true of all, that health care is um, something that should be. Do you think granted. with the 2018 session that there will be criminal, significant criminal justice reforms implemented? I can't speculate as to uh, what may come about, but what I can say is I'm very encouraged uh, by the, um, the leadership um, of uh, Speaker Oliva and um, also encouraged by what I'm seeing from Speaker Corcoran, so I am encouraged. Sunshine on Issues is produced by Ashley White for the Tallahassee Democrat in the USA Today Network Florida. You can like us on Facebook, find us on SoundCloud, and rate us on iTunes. It helps, so please give us a star or two. Also, follow us on Twitter at Call Tallahassee. I'm James Call, Capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat. Talk to you next week as the capital city begins to clear out for the holidays. Thank you for your time, and until next week, my friends.